If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com Registered Training Organisation 31352 Today's guest is Mandy Maiden. Mandy's an FEI dressage specialist, rider, trainer, competitor, coach and coach educator. She's now working with Philippe Carl in the classical French dressage system. How are you today, Mandy? I'm really good, thanks, Manis. How are we going? I hope you're well too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Living in Queensland, living the dream, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You might be a bit warmer than us today. (laughs) Yes, yes, but we do have air conditioning, so we're right there. Mandy, we're going to start off with a quote that you might use. It could be an inspirational quote or a quote that you use when you're teaching. Have you got one for us? It was a bit hard to choose just one because I actually really love quotes and I use them all the time with teaching. My students would be able to tell you that. But my favourite one, and probably it's favourite because it's a bit dark and it really motivates me, Mm. is a quote that says, what we must do is work in leisure because anything else is a massacre of innocence. And that quote came from I hope I pronounced this guy's name correctly, uh, Henrique, and in correspondence with Nuno Oliveira. So to me, it's a really heavy quote, but it it sort of really motivates me to look at how I work with horses and how I instruct my students to work with horses. Okay. Now, do you use that at all when you're teaching to work with any of your other students or not? You just use it as a personal quote? I use it for both, I suppose. You know, a personal quote because... It's really probably um, navigated me to where I am at the moment with working with horses, mm. but also with students because I think it makes them aware that if we're not working in leisure tape, if we're not working in lightness, then we're really making the horses' lives incredibly difficult and to the point where we may influence them becoming unsound or you know shortening their life, yep. their productive life or their future. Yep. So definitely my students know that quote as well. Yes, yeah, good, good. Okay, now I'm going to ask you about your first memories of horses and how you started with horses. Ah, well, I suppose when I was really little, my my earliest memories, I don't come from a horsey family, but I was always obsessed with horses right from a a little girl. We used to have Bart Cummings had a racing stable near us where we lived in Glenelg in South Australia and the racehorses would get exercise just walking up and down our road in the afternoons and I just remember being having my little face stuck at the window every time to watch them go past and I was just fascinated with how beautiful they were and then I suppose like us horsey kids do you know you harass your parents until they take you to a riding school and you start to have some lessons and I was 
probably doing that when I was about five years old, four or five years old, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was really how I got started. Yeah, good. Okay, so just moving on from there, did you were you one of the kids that, you know, would hang around the riding school and see if they could sort of work all day for nothing just to get a bit of a free ride? <laughs> yep, I was that kid. I yep. did I mucked out stables as many as you wanted me to do. I I cleaned tack, I groomed horses, I hosed them off and in return for that I was really fortunate to be able to ride horses that were at that particular stable and and even take them to shows and competitions, et cetera, later on as I started to develop my skills, I suppose, as a young rider. so mm-hmm. But I definitely didn't have my own horse, so I was the kid that did whatever you asked me to do <laughs> so I could ride your horse. <laughs> that, that probably built your character a bit, actually, you know, just to get you so that almost to weed you out to see if you really meant to be with horses or not because if you hadn't done all the work oh, and you hadn't absolutely. Yes, I mean, you couldn't tie me out, so I stayed there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we do ask people what they think the core skills or the character traits are to work with horses and work in the horse industry. You've sort of said it yourself, but do you want to go through that? What would you tell someone else that may be doing all of the riding school and the mucking out stables and everything else just in exchange for riding? What would you say the core skills are? Well, I, I think you're developing them when you're doing that because. It's a fantastic industry to work in, but it involves a lot of hard work and you've got to have a lot of tenacity and persistence and be prepared to do the work that might be physically hard and, and not particularly great fun. It's not all just riding. So I think if they're happy to do that, they're already proving who they are and proving their worth to be able to earn their place in that industry. So definitely that self-discipline, that that real passion that keeps you doing that sort of work, you know, as well as the great stuff, but it keeps you there and proves how much you really love it and how much you want to be there. Yeah. So I think those those sort of skills are incredibly, you know, incredibly valuable to develop as a young person, you know, that ability just to work really hard and just keep chipping away at something until it becomes what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've talked about your first memories and Bart Cummings and the racehorses in Glenelg. And then going on and working in a yes. riding school, and we know that you've gone on and had quite a lot of competition horses done well, you know, as a successful rider. You're working now and still being doing dressage, training dressage. Tell us a bit more about the work that you're doing now and what drives you to do that. Sure. Um, well, I suppose about four years ago I I applied to be a trainee teacher in the Ecole de l'Etreté, which is the School of Lightness. It's Philippe Carl from France. It's his private school, a classical training school. And I and that probably slowed my competition aspect. Like up until then, I had competed for 25, 30 years in mm-hmm. competition dressage, etc. But once I started to enter that school, I because I was always looking for probably a better way to work with horses yep. that I thought was better for the horse. And so when I entered that school, that really changed my life in terms of what I do with horses now. And I think you can still compete. I still occasionally take the horse to a competition, but it's more if if it's something that I want to do. And it's not something that I would say I'm never going to do again, but it's not my number one priority anymore. It's being able to train the horses to high school, you know, to do all of the high school movements, which you can then use in your dressage tests as well. But it's just the way that it's trained is is such a beautiful way to work with horses that I I think that's yeah where I love to be where I'm at now. Mm-hmm, 
Mm-hmm. So you're really enjoying the training. Do you think that you're enjoying the training because you've got more knowledge of the requirements? Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, training only probably becomes something you really like to do when you start to develop a level of competence and you've got the theoretical knowledge that it's developing. I mean, I, I always think one of my other favourite quotes is, it takes two lifetimes to learn everything about writing. So <laughs> we're never going to get to a point where we know everything, but yep. At least when you, once you start to get into that you know, first lifetime and you start to have studied it a lot, then it definitely becomes so much more enjoyable because you can start to see why things happen and how you can assist the horse to be in the right balance to do that particular movement or you just make it easier for the horse. And if something's easy for a horse, they'll just offer it. And, you know, and, and it's so amazingly effortless for them. We just have to make sure that we are the least possible hindrance we can be. Mm. So the more you know, the less of a hindrance you can be. And then the training becomes great. Whereas I think back when you're first learning, like I still work with lots of riders that are just beginning and, and I sort of say to them, look, I sort of almost feel sorry for you a bit at the moment because this won't feel great for a long time. You've got to put the hard yards in and really develop your skills and develop your knowledge, you know, in a few years' time it might start to feel like it's easy, you know, sitting trot or, you know, riding transitions or, yeah, working on on your lateral work. It's not easy until you've got a bit of water under the bridge, I suppose, too. Mm, mm. Bit of miles on the clock. (laughs) All right. So we talked about, you know, having a career with horses and you talked about it being hard work. Yes. But, you know, having tenacity, persistent self-discipline. But now that you've put the hard yards in, you're still learning, you're still progressing. What do you think the keys are to excelling in what you're doing at the moment? Because it's more than just persistence and self-discipline. It's a lot more than that. So what do you think the character traits are that now that have been able to, you've been able to bring out in you, you know, French dressage, this system, and or something that you found within yourself to to be able to undertake this type of study? I think it's that real commitment to a lifelong learning. Like, and, and probably you need to sort of almost leave your ego behind a little bit because you, you have to have that humility to say, I've, I've got to get a little bit better every day. You know, I never really arrive at that point where now I'm you know, fantastic, now I can do all of these things. It's more that you've got that humility, you know, being able to, to just, I suppose, chip away at something and and try your best every day to be a little bit better than you were yesterday, that commitment to that. And it's got to come from a passion. You know, you you wouldn't want to choose this life if you really were only partly interested in riding horses and partly interested in wanting to work with horses. You know, maybe on Tuesdays you wanted mm. to play golf and on Wednesdays you did tennis, but Thursdays you did horses. It wouldn't work. It's got to be a total passion, like a total obsession really, my husband would probably agree with that. That I think you have to be a little bit weird <laughs> to really to really want to be obsessed with that. And yeah, there's probably not many people that want to dedicate their whole life to it. I suppose, and yeah, that you just live it, breathe it, think it all the time. You know, you whenever there's an opportunity to read another book, I'm always reading. Or if there's an opportunity to go and watch another instructor or another trainer, I'm always trying to be there. So. Mm. Yeah, it, it is probably a bit of an obsession, which mm. just sounds a bit difficult, doesn't it? <laughs> no, no, I understand. But yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, then yeah. You, you reap the benefits of that. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, I know you've talked about Philippe Carl. Is there anyone else that's influenced you as much as or, or you know, someone that sort of got you to the point that you are now? Yeah, well, definitely before I had 
come into contact with Philippe Carl, I was also looking at a lot of the old masters, you know, the Francois Boucher, La Guerinière, Steinbrecht, even more recent masters, Nuno Oliveira, Franz Maringer, Tom Roberts, a good old South Australian mm-hmm. as well, yep. in the dressage field. And then also I spent a lot of time studying in a horsemanship field as well. So people like Tom Dorrance and Ray Hunt, I did a lot of reading on, on what they had, what their philosophies were about working with horses. And then more recently, Neil Davies, another Australian, has written an excellent book on fear-free horse training, which I really loved. Ross Jacobs, another Australian, on the essence of good horsemanship. So there was definitely, I was looking for more than just the German training scale and how do I ride a better half pass and how do Mm. I do tempi changes and how do I do a Grand Prix dressage test. I was looking for more of that connection with the horse because I started to realise that if I do that better, all of that Grand Prix stuff becomes achievable. The horse can do it anyway if I just can find a better way to communicate with them. So mm-hmm. so those people were um, sort of like, I suppose, almost little signposts for me along the, along the way, along the journey. I've, I learned so much from looking into what they had found out about horses and what their philosophies were. So just sort of putting you in the right direction then? Yeah, yep, mm. to keep putting me, because my main ideas in those days was, look, how can I do this better for the horse? You know, obviously I had a beautiful, well, she's still with me now, but a beautiful trachana mare that took me from sort of the beginning breaking in stage through to Priest of George, and she could also do all of the Grand Prix movements at home, but she was became more and more tense as the training went along. So I realised, well, I'm the cause of this, this is the problem. So that horse definitely made me start to sort of delve into the relationship with the horse and the connection and the communication and that's where those people helped me along the way, either from their books, you know, posthumously or else. Sorry? What's her name? Oh, Alouetta. Okay. Alouetta. A beautiful mare she is and, yeah, she was my most successful horse to date, I suppose, in terms of competition. We went to the Nationals in Sydney every year for about four or five years in a row, I think, and we were – second on the good old horse magazine leaderboard at the mm-hmm. end of one season. But, yeah, fabulous horse who could have done so much more except she was held back because she had to put up with me. <laughs> so, But she taught me an amazing amount and I so often wish I could start her again now with knowing what I know now, like we mm. would all say. But, mm. you know, she's mm. just a fabulous horse, beautiful girl. Are there any other horses? She's just a standout one. Oh, they actually one of your questions was about that, wasn't it? You know, yeah. horses that inspire you, and I sure. thought, gosh, they all inspire you, mm. all but for different different reasons. She she was fabulous because she tolerated me, and she just took me to a an amazing level. Like I just thought, some little kid that used to ride <laughs> in Glenelg would be able to go and do that level of work. You know, that's to me it was incredible that she could take me there. But yep. I also have had, yeah. A beautiful thoroughbred horse who I did eventing with and the same thing. I just think, wow, look at what that horse would do for me and with my limited level of skill. And my current riding horse was probably the one that made me keep looking for the classical system because she perhaps wasn't as, as fancy and as flashy as the Trakana mare. So in competition, we were sort of a bit always the bridesmaids. Like we were, we'd do a nice test and she would try her best, but we weren't the prettiest, the most amazing moving. So I kept thinking, well, I'm holding her back. How can I show what she can really do? You know, so that made me start to look into leisure day. Plus she was a horse that was much heavier and a, and a stronger horse. So we were 
very much on the forehand. We were very much sort of hindered by that incorrect, you know, balance falling to the shoulders. So balance really started to make me think I've got to learn a bit more about this. But yeah, yeah. and and I have a super young horse at the moment who's a lovely, talented guy, but you know, a little bit, little bit quirky in his mind. So he makes me have to really keep exploring how can I communicate this better? How can I, yeah, work with him? So I think they all, you know, they're just all amazing horses to work with. Yeah, yeah, good. What about your proudest moment? Yeah, I was thinking about that too. And I think to me as a horse person and as a rider, I'm probably the proudest when my horses, when I take them somewhere. So if we go and do a demonstration ride somewhere or a, we recently did a masterclass for Leisure Tay and if I take them there and they are completely relaxed and they're really happy and they go up to people, you know, they're not worried about being in a big crowd, I'm really proud of them then because I think at least I've sort of tried to do my best to bring up well-adjusted little four-legged citizens, you know, that mm. they they love their work, they're really happy in what they do, they're really sort of well-adjusted, like they're not spooky, they're not scared, they're not tense, you know, they're not grinding their teeth or sticking their tongues out or... You know, they just do what, you know, mum asks them to do and they go, yeah, sure, let's do that. And they're they're full of energy and enthusiasm and, you know, they've got expression, they're joyful. Yeah, they're just, that makes me proud because I think, oh, that's who they want to be. You know, Mm -hmm. they're not out there looking like little slaves or looking like they, you know, Andrew McLean coined that term, learned helplessness. And I think, you know, I see Mm -hmm. a bit of that in competition horses and I, that really makes me sad. Whereas these guys, you know, we're not the best you know, in the bunch by any means, but we're really joyful and we have a good time together and it's fun. And, you know, and they're the the horses too that are angels for the vet or the farrier. So that makes me proud as well. But I suppose the most recent proud moment was I've just sat my written exam for my leisure tay licence and I had to do an hour and a quarter presentation on my mare, which involved lunging work on the caverson, in-hand work, as well as riding. And that, I was pretty proud of her because she oh, just good. was amazing. She yep. was, she just was totally with me the whole time, and yeah, the hour and a quarter just went like that. She and she just was totally available. Whatever I asked her to do, she's like, "Yep, sure, Mum, let's do that." Yeah, fabulous yeah. horse. So that makes me proud of them. Good. Tell me what your biggest challenge has been. I'm thinking not just recently, but you know, within your lifetime of horses. Okay. Well, I was thinking my biggest challenge probably is always to sort of live up to what I want to achieve in the sense that, I, you know, I'd like to make things better for every horse that I come into contact with. So sometimes that's easy because, you know, a student comes to you and you and they're really open to change. Yep. Sometimes it's a little more difficult because they might not necessarily see the immediate benefit of what you're trying to achieve. So that can be a challenge too. But they're probably the hardest things I've had to deal with, which is pretty minor, isn't it, in terms of what other people would be dealing with. Maybe the challenge too was when I had, when the horse that was working, my lovely mare Alouette was working at that high level and I just thought it was going to be a walk in the park to then go on from that F, that starting off FEI level to go through to Grand Prix. But then because she started to get very upset about the work, that was probably the, the real Perhaps a real kick in the guts for me, where I had to, mm-hmm. I had to really take that on the chin and go, "You caused this, Mandy. So this horse is telling you loud and clear that I'm really upset about how we're doing this. So yep. that was yep. probably my hardest one, but it, it was my best one in the sense that it, it made me totally look at what I was doing and totally 
assess that and make the changes that I need to, which has sort of led me to where I am now. Mm, so, mm. yeah. That's yeah. a long-winded answer, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, and I like your answer because even though it's a challenge, you said yes, but it was a challenge at the time, but it's really led me to where I am. So I've really learnt from that. So it's a biggest lesson. Yeah. So sometimes your biggest challenges can be your best lessons, can't they? I think so, and I, I always say that to students too, like find the good. So, you know, with everything that you're – you know, you might think at the time it's really difficult, you know, you're having trouble with flying changes or a horse that won't go through the water jump or a horse you can't get on the float or look for the lesson in that, like mm. find the good in there, you know, that there's always going to be a massive learning opportunity in there for you if you look for it and you take it out rather than just get upset or get demoralised or give up, you know, then you miss that chance. So. Yeah, I think that's probably really important for all of us to look for that instead of see, you know, see the obvious of, oh, I can't do this. This is terrible. You know, it's not working. Yeah. Because there's, there's, you know, when one door shuts, there's always one that's opening and you just got to look for it. Yep. Yep. Okay. Now put on your coach's cap or your instructor's cap. Yep. And think about people that you're training. What do you think is a common challenge that they've got and how would you correct it? Yeah, well, I thought about this one a lot too, and I was particularly thinking that probably currently the modern sort of style of riding is putting horses in a bit of big trouble in terms of their balance. Uh-huh. And so the, the problem that I see the most often is that horses are out of balance, and mm-hmm. therefore balance for a horse is, you know, is life or death or it's relaxation or it's tension, depending on whether it's they've got their balance or they haven't. So to me, that's the biggest issue to address and if you even take that back a step before you can really help the horse with their balance, the rider has to be in balance. So, of course, it's position, 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 you know, working mm-hmm. on on your own position so that you can be in balance and then you can start to offer the horse a lifeline as well to start to change their balance. So, yeah, so that's probably the two areas that I try to really hone my coaching into is Horses can only go as well as you ride them, so we need to make sure that we're riding as well as we can today and then a bit better tomorrow and a bit better the next day. So absolutely working on position and the balance that comes from that so then we can start to address the horse who's already naturally on the forehand by nature, but then when we sit on him or her, we put them even more on the forehand. So can we start to redress that yep. that balance aspect yeah. with our knowledge too. But, yeah, definitely starting to look at the rider first. You okay. you can't sort of bypass that, I don't think. No, no. It's pretty hard to, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory with practical components that can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website, again, is onlinehorsecollege.com. Thanks. Okay, now what about a book? If you've got a book you could recommend for our listeners? I've got a million books because I (laughs) I love books. (laughs) But I think to sort of understand the current state of dressage, I think the best book to read is Philippe Carl's book, you know, of course, I would say that. But his book called Twisted Truths of Modern Dressage because it's a really interesting, thought-provoking challenging book because it's not just an instructional book but it's also a a book to make you really think about 
what we're currently doing with horses and riders and how we're working horses and is that the best for the horse and I think that's a fantastic book. Perhaps to sort of address a little bit the, I don't know, the cultural decline a bit of where equitation is, I don't know, at the moment and, and particularly the competition aspect of it too. So I think that's a super book. I think just going beyond the book, I think, you know, you judge a book by its cover and I think on the cover is the title Twisted Truths of Modern Dressage and I think it's a great yes. title. Yeah. It's a yeah. super title. <laughs> yep. yep. And I think Philippe likes to, yeah, definitely challenge people's thinking. So mm, he mm, would mm, have to mm. have a title like that. <laughs> yep. All right. Now, Mandy, you've got, you know, you're really happy with the way things are going with your horses, with your training, with your riders. What are you looking forward to? Is it more of the same? Have you got some riders that you're excited about? You you know, you tell me what you're looking forward to. I suppose probably I'm not that exciting like that because I just, I really just You're just love happy doing what you're doing. <laughs> the next, yeah, the next day, ride every day, you know, teach every day, mm. keep learning, studying. Definitely, you know, students always inspire me, whether it's the, the lady that I teach who is in her 70s, who hunts twice a week and is is still trying to work on her dressage. She's super inspiring. And then you have, you know, the little beginner boy who is just first learning to canter on a horse. You know, that just keeps you going every day. And, mm. and then you get the opportunity to work with some amazing people as well. Like I um, have recently had Edit Capel, who is a, uh, an instructor from Hungary who works in Mejrate, who stayed here for a week and we got to work with her every day. So those things are definitely things you're looking forward to. But just the everyday work with the horses, work with the riders and chip away at my own, you know, riding as well, that mm-hmm. to me is, that's a good life. Good. <laughs> if you good. can do that every day, that's pretty darn good. Sure. Yep, yep. Now, Mandy, can you sum up your philosophy into a lesson today so a listener's got something to take away and think about for the day? Yeah, I I thought about that a lot too because I could talk forever about a whole lot of different things. So to me, a few things that that were really important, I was chewing over those, and I think it comes back to that word balance again. So Mm -hmm. I, I think that if writers can really, really start to honestly look at balance, first of all, in their own and I would strongly recommend people just to try this little exercise. And in Leisure we're often known as those classical riders that have their hands up all the time. And that's a, a good way to sort of, I suppose, poke a bit of fun at us as well. But if people honestly rode, and maybe just do it at home where no one's watching you, with your elbows at your side and your hands up higher, maybe like as though you're holding a book that you're reading, and just sit on your horse like that, walk, trot, canter, for a couple of weeks and just see how that starts to change your balance because if we have that sort of obsession with our hands really low then the tendency is that also makes our shoulders tip forward particularly when we're learning to ride and so I think just carrying your hands a little higher for a couple of, of weeks and just seeing what that does to your core and your balance and your your position that would be something that I would recommend everyone to have a try and from then their horse's point of view if you're acting upwards with your hands you're acting upwards in the corner of the horse's lips when you use the bit. So you're not acting in a downward action and squashing the tongue and squashing the bit against the bars of the mouth, both of which are really painful for the horse and then therefore causes contractions and et cetera, et cetera. You know, the horse becomes more contracted instead of being more relaxed. So I think that's a win-win. If the rider tries to act upwards with the hands when they're applying a rein aid, then it can have a positive effect on their balance and also from their horse's point of view, 
you might start to get more mobility of the jaw. You know, the horse starts to really mobilise the mouth, the tongue, and demonstrates its relaxation that way too. So, yeah, I think that could be a win-win. I reckon that would be that would be the lesson I would like to suggest people give themselves a go. You can do it yourself. It's not something that you need to go and book into. You can just mm. do it as a study lesson at home. And I think even if you think of a rider, you know, just picturing a rider with their hands yes. up and hands down, you might picture a rider who's forcing their hands down who does become a bit round-shouldered and leaning forward, whereas yes. a, yeah. a rider with their hands up is looking up and shoulders yes. back and sitting tall. Yeah, yeah. So just that picture itself is good. I was a kid in the round yard just to see if I could because to see how how long I could go before the book fell off my head. But that was <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it does work after a while. But yeah, yeah, I think definitely that that feeling that you can become more vertically balanced and and therefore start to offer your horse a you know a better balance too. That mm. I think that's that would be a, something that it could be quite life changing. I think for riders if they gave that a go. Not that we're saying keep your hands up all the time, but. It just just use it to change your balance for a little while and see what happens. Mm, mm, mm. Good. Um, now, how can people contact you, Mandy? I'm not super duper with websites or anything like that, <laughs> but email is good. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so my email is sjmaiden m a i d e n at tpg dot com dot au. That's probably the best way to contact me. If they look at Philippe Carl's website. I'm also listed as a, one of the trainee teachers and that has my contact details as well. So that's another way to contact me and hopefully I'll be good at replying because you tend to spend a lot of time outside with horses and not always a lot of time inside doing correspondence. <laughs> sure, sure. And your contact details will be available on horsechats.com slash Mandy Maiden as well. Mandy, oh, been- thank you. That's great. <laughs> Been very good talking to you today. I'm sure that everyone's going to to go away and even just walk away, turn, walk away, carry your hands a little higher, look up, shoulders yep. back. Yep, yep. Yeah, just see how see what that does for you. Yep, yep. All right. Thank you very much, and hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Thanks very much, Gwyneth. Thanks okay. for the opportunity okay. to chat. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.